Join us now for Education Matters, a weekly look at the real people and real stories in education across North Carolina. Welcome to Education Matters, presented by the Public School Forum of North Carolina. I'm Keith Poston. A legislative task force created by the General Assembly in 2017 is considering overhauling the way North Carolina funds public schools. They've been meeting since November, and this week we talked with the chairman of that task force, Senator Michael Lee from New Hanover County and Representative Craig Horn from Union County. We're going to discuss what they've learned so far, what's next, and more importantly, what it all might mean for the schools in your community. Before we tackle our main topic, we open each week with our headlines. It's a quick scan of education headlines across North Carolina and the U.S. Last week, the State Board of Education voted to approve Charter School Operator Achievement for All Children to take over Southside Ashpole Elementary in Robeson County, the first school selected for the state's new innovative school district. Some board members expressed concern about the group's limited track record and a weak evaluation by a third party. Now, Board Chairman Bill Covey said he was willing to take the risk and join six other board members to approve the group by a vote of seven to four. The ISD and the selection of Achievement for All Children has been controversial given some ties between GOP donor John Bryan of Oregon, former State Representative Rob Bryan, who authored the bill creating the ISD, and others connected to the group. This will be the first school Achievement for All Children operates in the state. State Representative Bill Brawley, a Republican from Mecklenburg County, said last week the committee he chairs exploring breaking up large school districts will not recommend any new legislation. As we covered on last week's show, the only evidence that experts who presented to the committee offered up found that it would be costly and inefficient and would not improve student outcomes. Now, there's no word yet from Representative Brawley whether he will still pursue other legislation to allow Charlotte area communities to break off from Charlotte Mecklenburg schools and create their own charter school districts. Finally, the new NAEP scores are out this week. That's often referred to as the nation's report card. It's the, it's the largest national assessment of students in the U.S. in reading and math. Now, nationally, average reading scores for American eighth graders increased between 2015 and 2017, while here in North Carolina, scores in fourth and eighth grade reading and math did not really change much. Basically, we're flat. We did, however, see a decline in fourth grade math scores. Remember, you can visit the Public School Forum's website at ncforum.org and read more about each of the headlines as well as other topics we cover each week. As I said at the top of the show, a new legislative task force has been studying how public schools are funded since late last year with an eye toward overhauling the current system. And joining us today are the two chairs of that committee. We have Representative Craig Horn, as I mentioned at the top, from Union County. And we have Senator Michael Lee from New Hanover County. Now, the, uh, it is officially called the Joint Legislative Task Force on Education Finance Reform. Your first meeting was November 1st, 2017. And at least in a, according to, I guess, the, the uh, enabling legislation, um, you're targeting having uh, recommendations by October of 2018. So I guess we'll get to that in a moment. But first, <laughs> let me just, here, here's, a, here's an easy question to start out with. In a nutshell, what do you think are the problems with North Carolina's existing funding model for public schools? Representative Warren, I'll start with you. It's very complex, hard to understand. We hear from uh, chief financial officers at the, at the district level. We hear from others uh, that are interested and have supported education in North Carolina how complex our funding formula is. It's a bit of a maze with 30-plus silos. It's 
it's a full-time job just figuring out how this funding works. Then add to that the fact that we have funding sources uh, from the state, the federal, the local, uh, grant money. There are a lot of things at play. How do you balance all that? That's right. the question. Uh, now, Senator Lee, when, when the commission was first established, I mean, the, part of the, the charge, I mean, this was in the legislation, but also in, in the, uh, the first meeting, um, was to, to move away from the current allotment system. I mean, that was more, right. and, to, and, to, and actually to move to a weighted student funding formula. That was actually specific. It was actually the same thing that the Program Evaluation Division was asked to study just moving to a weighted student funding formula. So, I mean, one of my questions uh, to you and to both of you is, so why are we limiting ourselves as a state to say, well, okay, we're going to move away from this and we're going to go to this model? I mean, there are other models. Is the committee of the task force looking at other models? So first, um, we're going from this resource allocation and, and as you mentioned, the charge was a, a weighted student formula for lots of different reasons. One is, is transparency. It's difficult under the current system to see how the funding actually makes its way to the outcomes um, that we're looking at and looking for. Um, we did have a, a, at least one committee meeting where we had a survey and looked at what other states are doing with regard to weighted student formula and also some other funding mechanisms. However, I think the, our charge as a committee is to look at the weighted student formula, so that's the direction we're, we're heading in. Now, the way, the, the, we've got a pretty savvy audience who watches the show because we've been talking about things like we, the weighted student funding formula, it's, it's basically taking, figuring out what the base number is and then adding on sort of, you know, whether you have special needs children, other factors. Is that Am I, am I correct? Basically, it's, it's funding our education based on the needs of each and every student. And you mentioned uh, children with disabilities, special needs children. There's a wide range of funding models for, for special needs children. Uh, children with cerebral palsy have a much higher need and, and therefore much higher cost than do children, let's say, with, with some speech impediments. Right. So, are we funding that appropriately? When, this all, when that particular piece started, an arbitrary 12.5% was set. Based on what? We moved it to 12 and 3 quarters. Is that sufficient? Is it too much? It may be too much in some districts. It may not be sufficient at all in others. Right. This is, a, I, I, I actually was going to get into this in a little bit, but since, we're, since you brought it up, I want to ask you, Senator Lee, this has been an area that you've been passionate about, talking about how we fund um, uh, you know, exceptional children. Is this something you think can be addressed. Um, I mean, it's a problem. We've, you've heard from the districts, you mentioned this, it went from 12.5 to 12.75, but we've got half the schools that are over that cap. Yeah, absolutely. I think the weighted student formula can, can address that, and as Representative Horn mentioned, depending on the severity of, of what the disability is. You know, we can also look at the intersection of other HHS and some other uh, funding sources as we come into the school system because right now we have duplication in, in some instances of services that are provided to students through HHS, uh, through Medicaid and other uh, programs as well as through uh, DPI and the local LEAs. Well, last question on this, back on this, on the way to student funding formula. You mentioned the, L, the, the, the school, the finance officers have come in and talked to you. From what I've seen, they are overwhelmingly in favor of maintaining Position allotments, and, and, and one of the, and that's for principals, for teachers, for nurses, librarians, guidance counselors, and what they tell me and what they've told you is that it allows them to hire the very best candidates available for the positions they need without, you know, basically worrying about the budget implications that they, that would then if they have to sort of, um, if they have a bucket of money and they have to make choices on not maybe not hiring the the, the best person. 
What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> There's, that's a much more complex issue than it first appears. Uh, they are, by and large, we hear a lot of support for maintaining the position allotment system. We're one of only a few states that actually approach it this way. Why are we one of only a few states that actually approach it this way? We must dig a little deeper. We also need to realize that, that LEAs use state money to pay their most expensive teachers and use local money to pay their lower salaried teachers. Why is that? Now, is that the right way to approach it? Well, if I'm a chief financial officer, that certainly is the right way I'd sure. approach it. But is that the right way for this state to approach it? Gotcha. So we need to learn why we do it the way we do it. Let's unpeel the onion. Let's understand how we got where we are, why we are where we are, and then let's rebuild the onion to meet the needs of the student. So that's what should drive all of our decisions. What are the needs of the student? Right. Let me shift um, um, over to talk a little bit about adequacy of funding. Um, it's been all over the national news. We've got teacher walkouts and protests in West Virginia, Kentucky, Oklahoma, Arizona over school funding. Um, um, you and I have had conversations about yes, per-pupil funding. We're going to have another one. Um, <laughs> North Carolina ranks 43rd nationally in per-pupil spending, 11th in the southeast, and that's the most recent numbers available. Right. There's a lot of different numbers you can look at, but there are, y'all have said that you don't want to look at adequacy, although you are asking LEAs about how much it costs, so you are looking at adequacy, right? So, I mean, adequacy is important as we look at the the broader context of North Carolina. As you know, uh, one of the weighted formulas might be low wealth funding because there is inadequacy around our state from some of our more rural areas and some of our more metropolitan areas. So certainly we are looking at adequacy as, it, as we talk about the, the, the broader scope of rural versus urban, and it's something that we need to be looking at in the context of, of our statewide funding. Right. And I think that also gets, and I want to get into it in the second uh, part, too, the issue of equity. But let me, but Senator, I mean, Representative Horn, the, um, but adequacy. I mean, look, you, you may not like per-pupil um, numbers, but you've got other things we can point to. Declines, 38% decline in textbook funding, 53% decline in, in supplies and materials. Those are since 2008, 2009. Those are the kind of things that teachers tell us. 7,000 fewer teacher's assistants. I mean, those are the things that when teachers say, you have raised my pay, but there's a lot of other things that would cost. Yeah. Adequacy is critically important, of course. But if you don't have a system for allocating money, a, co a system on, in which you have faith, which is believable, which is navigable, if you don't have a system for, for allocating money, you're going to end up with two problems. One is adequacy and, one, and the other is waste. So first, what we're trying to do is develop a system that makes good sense for North Carolina. Then we can go back and say, this system which makes good sense for North Carolina needs to be more fully funded. We, and the legislature then has faith and confidence, and I would say the people of North Carolina have more faith and confidence that their money is being used wisely. Right. We're Mr. Everyman. Our job is to say to the taxpayer, here's what you're getting for what you're paying. Right. We're going to take a, on that and take a quick commercial break. When we come back, I want to talk more about that. And then I want to get into the issue that you just raised, Senator Lee, about um, equity in, in, the, in rural and urban. So after the break, more with our conversation with Michael Lee and Craig Horn.
Welcome back to Education Matters. We're going to continue our discussion about school funding in North Carolina with uh, Senator Michael Lee from New Hanover County, Representative Craig Horn from Union County. Now, we just actually had a slide up on the screen as we were coming back from break, and it was about um, the disparities between um, sort of the highest spending counties in North Carolina versus the lowest spending from our uh, local school financial board. Senator, you talked, you touched on that. I mean, I think, um, I mean, we've our, our reports, there's been other studies. There's no question, right, that there's the schools are, there are differences. People see it. There's differences in how schools are funded here in Wake County versus, I don't know, 90 of the other counties. Is that something that we need to look at as a state? Well, certainly it is. I mean, it's something that, that we're looking at now through the current resource allocation method because we have a low wealth funding supplement. I think we have over 70 counties that receive a, a low wealth uh, supplement, if I recall correctly. So as we go through this weighted student formula, we want a student-centered approach, but we also need to be looking at these other issues, again, as I mentioned earlier, on a broader scope to develop some of these weights. Right. Now, one of the things that you, you may have saw in the news just um, it came out uh, this week, um, Wake County schools just asked um, the county for a 58 million dollar increase in local funding and 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 part of their uh, presentation was they slotted declining resources from the state and new mandates would they say account for 20 million dollars of the request now we could debate that <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll let you take yes, that up we could. I'll let you take that up with the Wake County superintendent right. but let me but 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 this but I do, it does get to the point Wake County if it wanted to fund that could do it sure Green County Eight, couldn't. Green County couldn't. You know, 80 or 90 other. When I say, when I talk about, when we talk about uh, high wealth and low wealth counties, I always say, guess what? Most counties in North Carolina uh, are in that boat. So, That's right. so what, I mean, but what can we do about that? <laughs> That's what we're trying to figure out. If we go to a pure student-centered student, way, student centered, uh, funding formula, those small rural counties with a declining population are going to get hurt, and as a consequence, those kids are going to get hurt. So yes, we've got to figure that part out as well. That's one of the reasons that many superintendents support the position allotment approach. So it's a it's balance. How do we satisfy the not the needs, the requirements? We're required to, pr to provide that education. How do we satisfy those for those? counties, those LEAs that have in fact a decreasing enrollment. Right. At the same time, Wake, Charlotte, Mecklenburg, Guilford, we've got an increasing enrollment and which brings its own set of problems. All right. How I mean, do we satisfy those needs? I mean, Wake, I mean, just because we take the show here, I mean, they're, they're building four new schools. I mean, and you, both of you have been in other committee meetings just in the last three weeks where you're, you're understanding that we need more school nurses, we need more new school counselors, schools. So all this is going to take resources. It gets into adequacy and equity again. Um, but, but we can't just look at um, school finance in a vacuum of, of dollars spent. We've got to look at innovative ways, not just from a funding mechanism, but to allow flexibility within funding to have uh, some of our some of the districts around the state to have innovative ways to educate their children to create a parity. Um, equity in funding does not always mean equity in, in education. Um, I think we know that. <clears throat> so we have to have a, a formula that allows for innovative uh, teaching uh, curriculum. Uh, to evolve uh, in rural North Carolina as well as in our metropolitan areas. Right. Um, I want to ask you about uh, get into the school choice, but really specifically charter schools, public charter schools. You've had two two different he hearings now, uh, where you brought in uh, charter associations, advocates, operators. They were all asking for increased funding, just like all of us, right? Everybody's so, um, but you know, so I guess one of the questions that has come up is: Should charter schools have a separate stream? of funding. Right now, the way they're funded, as you both know, um, you know they, they basically 
you know, take money, the money's allocated through the districts and then it goes to the charter schools. My own personal theory is that the model actually exacerbates the tension between, I, I uh, between district schools and charter schools. But do you, but I, what are you, I guess where are you right now on sort of adequacy of charter funding and do you think they need a different, or would you sort of, where are you, where are you, where's your thinking right now? And I'd like to hear from both and of you. And that's exactly the point, Keith, is we are just thinking right now. We're trying to get a lot of input from the people that are actually facing these challenges every day, from parents, from educators across the country, from experts in school finance. There are lots of pieces and parts to this puzzle. We want to hear from all of those folks. We're looking for advice. We're looking for input. At the end of the day, what we're looking for are quality student outcomes. And that's what should drive every decision, is how do we achieve a quality outcome for every student in North Carolina? What do you think of uh, charters and choice in general about funding? Well, one of the reasons we brought them is, in is to kind of talk to us about some of the challenges they have with funding, because they are using a, a different funding mechanism. So when they came to us and explained some of those issues, some of them dealt with just the interaction of the charter system and the traditional system, but some of it dealt with other issues that they that they're you know facing essentially with regard to the method that, of funding that that they have, which is instructive for us as we go toward a, a weighted student formula. Um, I do want to uh, circle back because I think it's important um, on this issue of exceptional children's funding. It's something that you've personally been um, uh, advocating for and talking about. Um, and you've also advocated uh, and supported legislation to create education savings accounts as another alternative. Um, do you, don't you think we should adequately fund the schools, the public schools that serve, you know, ninety percent of our students, to make sure they can meet all those children's needs, and which are actually federally and legally required to do so? Uh, absolutely, and, and that's one of the reasons we're you know, working on the funding formula so we can move from an antiquated system to a much more modern system, have transparency um, with the funding that, that gets down to our LEAs. I mean, ultimately, it should be a student-centered funding formula, and we should have individualized education, which again is student-centered. Um, unfortunately, with our, our exceptional needs children, that really hasn't been the case really in any respect from right. an adequacy perspective or an instructional perspective. Right. Some districts do an, a great job, but by and large, we need to create more flexibility in that system for uh, all of those children so that they can reach their potential. Yeah, we've, uh, I mean, I think they've definitely, let, we've definitely let down <coughs> some families in that regard in terms of, and, and again, there's, we need some more. Um, sort of to wrap it up, I'll ask you, Representative Horn, and, and then a final word, really. Um, October is the stated deadline to have. I, what do you What do you know? What do you not know already? And are you going to have a new funding plan for North Carolina in October? We'll start with the with the last question. Are we going to have a new funding plan by October? I don't see any way in the world we're going to be able to do that. There's just way too much to learn. You ask, what do we not know? We don't know what we don't know. That's one of the reasons we are continuing to reach out to experts around the country, uh, experts in our own state, people that have been dealing with this. Let's get more input. There's a lot to think about. There, we're trying to balance a lot. And we're talking about 1.6 million kids in our schools in North Carolina. That's yeah. a heavy lift. It is a heavy lift. And we appreciate you lifting for us and working on it. Seriously, I appreciate you and also for coming into the show to talk about it today. We'll, we're going to follow up some more. Right. After the break, this week's Leadership Spotlight.
Each week, Education Matters spotlights individuals demonstrating exceptional leadership in education in North Carolina based on nominations from you, our viewers. This week's spotlight is a little different than usual. It was created by students in a TV program in New Hanover County Schools about their coverage of the Science Olympiad competition in Wilmington. Take a look. Take 1,500 middle and high school students, scientists, engineers armed for a battle with flying machines, battery buggies, hovercrafts, roller coasters, and towers, and you've got some great television. That's right, television. For 18 years, the students who intern and volunteer for New Hanover County Schools Television have been providing live coverage of the Southeast's biggest STEM competition, Regional Science Olympiad. The thing is that we are the only region in the entire state, and I think we're the only region in the entire country that is televised uh, and live streamed. Uh, so I think that is incredibly important to the kids, to the coaches, to our event leaders. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a great deal of pride for our region to make that claim. NHS TV's coverage focuses on the event's most visible contests, known as walk-in events. These Olympiad event challenges both camera operators and event announcers to cover the action in detail, showcasing the thrill of victory or the agony of defeat. It's a little bit of pressure, but it's super fun. I really like it. I enjoy it. Um, it kind of makes me feel important a little bit. It takes weeks of organization to prepare for the live coverage. The day before the competition, NHTS TV builds an entire studio control room on site, runs camera and microphone cables, and constructs a basic news desk. At first, we just shot reports, um, played them back, did a little intro at the top and bottom of every hour. And then over time, it just grew. We added more cameras. We're up to six cameras now. We've got seven or eight microphones out there on the floor doing interviews for reporters, with reporters and students. And they really get a chance to, to think on their feet and, and be a part of something that's actually happening in front of them, other than a planned, structured classroom type of event. It's been really fun. Honestly, it's a great opportunity, whether you want to go into like some sort of public speaking field or even into a TV field, it's, it's great. It's a great experience um, just to get around and kind of see how Science Olympiad works. It's a lot different from just being at the news desk on NHCS TV normally. So yeah, it's really fun. While coverage of Olympiad is sort of NHCS TV's Super Bowl event, the student interns and volunteers still have a number of other projects ahead. Each event giving them more experience in video production, an industry that has boomed, but lacks those with organizational skills to do it right. Lessons the NHTS TV students are learning by doing. We appreciate the students working with us on that great spot. Uh, if you know someone that deserves to be recognized, visit our website at ncforum.org, click on Education Matters, and you'll find a link to nominate someone in your community. After the break, this week's final word. I appreciate Senator Lee and Representative Horn coming on the show today to talk about school finance. They're smart guys who I believe care deeply about trying to do what's best for North Carolina's children. I also think they appreciate even more now, a few months into their work, chairing the School Finance Reform Task Force. This is a huge undertaking. It's also worth the effort, as long as we take the time and do it right. At the Public School Forum, we have encouraged lawmakers to ensure that both adequacy and equity is part of this public school funding discussion. 
I don't think they're quite there yet. We're going to keep working on them. But we also strongly believe that lawmakers need a healthy, multi-year hold harmless provision built into any changes to avoid unintended consequences that hurt students. Because North Carolina is one of the few states where schools are majority state funded, there is an opportunity to really move the needle. State leaders can decide what our education priorities should be, then have the school finance experts build funding formulas to fulfill them. Public education spending accounts for nearly 40% of the state budget. As I've said, any major overhaul must be done carefully. Our students cannot afford a rush process. They also cannot afford to wait. There are funding gaps and inequities in the current funding system. In absent thoughtful changes, we will continue down a path of haves and have-nots that is both wrong and a grave risk to our state's future growth and prosperity. That's it for this week's show. Next week, we're going to take a look at principal pay in North Carolina and the new pay plan that was created last year by the General Assembly. You're going to want to make sure you tune in. So thanks for watching, and we'll see you next week.